Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. It is so good to see all of you here on site. And those of you online, it is great to have you here. We hope you're having a great morning. And it's already been a great morning of worship. What a blessing to be able to just raise our hands, raise our horns, raise our lives to the Lord. And so I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm still coming off the, uh, the rush of 22 people baptized last weekend and uh, having a fabulous time. And I just cannot say enough about the blessing that it was for everybody who was involved to help things happen. You know, I probably don't say this enough, but I want to thank our entire team, our volunteer team, our staff, for everything they do every weekend to make this happen. <clears throat> There's a lot more that goes into it than meets the eye, and uh, it's a blessing. It's, a, it's tremendous, and we have been blessed to make it happen, and so um, I'm grateful for the team that we have. Well, I want to just uh, do one thing first, and we don't do this every weekend, but we want to do it. 91 years old yesterday, a man by the name of Herb, right over here. Right over here, Herb. <clears throat> 91. <clears throat> and so, Herb, God bless you. I hope you have another 91 coming. All right, that would be a miracle. And so, uh, but we're grateful for uh, the fact that we have a chance to celebrate your life, and 91 years of blessing. And so <clears throat> with that said, I want you to first take, and if you're online, you can, um, I, I think this will be available later on today, but we have what is called the 24 Days of Prayer Prayer Guide. And it's in your bulletin on site. It will be available online later in the day. But um, to right now, I just want to help you understand what we're doing. In t for 24 days, starting today, we want to pray and pray for four entities. We want to pray for our church. We want to pray for the church. And so we put those two together. We want to pray for our community, the community of, of Ventura and the region that we live in, Camarillo and uh, Oxnard and Ojai and all those places. We want to pray for our community. And we want to pray for our county. We want to pray for our county, the region that I, I believe God has given us reach for. And uh, believe it or not, we reach all the way into Los Angeles County and, and different counties, Santa Barbara County, with uh, our online presence. So if you're online and you're in a different county, we're going to pray for you as well. And we want to pray for all the counties that we uh, represent and live in. And then we want to pray for our country. And 24 days will take us right up to Election Day. And we, we believe that God just wants us to pray and pray and pray. And no matter what your political leanings are, that doesn't matter. What matters most is that you're praying for God's will to be done, for God's heart to be made known, and for God's influence to be involved in our uh, country in today's world. And uh, I believe that God is going to do something really, really cool with that. So here's the way to use this prayer guide. Then list the, the four things that we want to pray for our church, community, country, and uh, county and country are all right there listed. And then pray for those six things for each of those uh, entities. So when you're praying for the church, you're praying for leadership, direction, spiritual awareness, salvation and repentance, financial supply, and unity and peace for the church. And then pray that for the, co the, the, the community. Then pray that for, on the next day, pray that. And we're going to have 
every day there's going to be on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, there will be a little snippet of one of us as a team member here at this church. We're going to be on uh, uh, praying in a, in, a, in a short video. So you can take that video, pray with it, and then extend your prayer because that prayer will only be two or three minutes long. But we want to pray together for the next 24 days. Then on November the 4th, the day after the, the elections, we're going to have a night of worship right here. We're going to have a night of worship. No matter who our leader ends up being, we know who the ultimate leader is, right? We know that God is our leader. <clears throat> and so, yes, we, we will have a leader of our country, and, and we don't know who that's going to be or how that's going to end up being. We don't know what the day after is going to look like, but we do know one thing, and that is the best thing we can do is gather together, worship his name, and exalt him because he is still the King of Kings and Lord of Lords of the United States, of our hearts, of our country, of our world. And so we're going to do that on November the 4th, and it's going to be a great, great time. And I just want to encourage everybody to be involved. Let me just address one more thing before I start sharing the message, and that is reopening our building and gathering inside. Right now, we're in what is called the red tier in our county. And that red tier means that we can have 25% of our capacity or 100 people in our building, whichever is less, which at this point is we have more than 100 people in our church. And so uh, it would mean that we would have to have two services or we'd have to rearrange things or do things that um, uh, would, would make it more uncomfortable than this. And so here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do, at least for this month. This month, we're going to continue to be outside. We're going to continue to do what we're doing, and we're going to ask you, if you want, you can bring chairs, and we're going to push these cars back a little bit. You can bring chairs. You can bring your, your, your uh, uh, picnic chairs like Dave has over here and, and, and your tailgate chairs, and you can just bring them, and we'll, we can gather social distancing style right up in front here, and we'll have outdoor services for the remainder of the month. And starting in November, what we are thinking about doing is giving you a choice. We're going to have live services outside and a, a projected service on the inside if you feel more comfortable on the inside or need to be on the inside. And there are other people that don't want to come until we open the inside. Those people might come as well. So uh, we're, we're playing around with some ideas. Those aren't solid, but the, the solid thing is, is that uh, right now we have permission to go ahead and uh, allow gathering up here if you want to be out of your car and sit here and be a part of the worship experience that way, or you can stay in your car. Either way, that's going to be great. And if you're online and you enjoy that, God bless you. We're going to continue streaming our services uh, from now until Jesus comes. And so we're just going to experience God in a, in, a, in a fresh and new way and continue to expect him to do great things. Amen? Amen? All right. So that's what's going on here, and we're just continuing to kind of flex and flow with the, with the plans and, and the different things, but we've got some great, great things. And starting in November, there will be um, a series that I will, um, I will preach called I See a Church, and it's going to be a complete series about the vision of Journey Church Ventura and what, it's gonna, what, what we're going to look like in the future. A vision is a preferred future. 
A vision is an idea of what we believe God is putting in our hearts to see what the church can be like in the coming years. And we believe that God is placing a burden and a vision on our hearts to see something amazing happen. And things already, after sharing a little bit of that version with a few others, already things are happening, and it's a miracle. And so we're very, very excited about it. So plan on uh, anticipating hearing some uh, a series of messages on the vision of Journey Church Ventura, I See a Church in November. For, for now, we're starting a new series called Mind Games. Have you ever felt like you're just playing games in your mind? Have you ever felt that way? Maybe I'm the only one. But man, there are all the time things going on up here in my head that uh, I'm, I'm often wondering, man, is that just ping pong? Or is that football? Or is that, what, what is going on in this head of mine, in this mind of mine. And, and so I feel like the Lord has, has prepared us to talk about mind games. The, what happens here, let, let me say this. If you are starting to feel emotionally like the world feels, you are beginning to be pressed into a mold. You are beginning to be pressed into a, a way of thinking that the world wants you to think Instead of having hope, you have despair. Instead of having peace, you have chaos and frustration and anger. Instead of having joy, you have anger, and you are starting to melt into this perspective that the world is expressing today, that the world is anticipating. The world is telling people, you should be angry. You should not have joy. You should be in despair. You should be frustrated because everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Is that okay to say? Okay. And therefore you shouldn't have you shouldn't have what God provides, which is peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, long suffering. All these things that are fruit of the spirit, the world is telling us we should have something different. And I think that too often we need to understand what happens in our minds is going to come out in our lives. And so I want to talk about mind games. I want to talk about this. Uh, we, we use statements like, this will blow your mind. Have you ever had your mind blown? That's a, a thing that's talked about like right now. Mind blown. We have this mind-blowing experience. Uh, it's all in your mind. Have you heard that? Oh, it's all in your mind. Well, if it's in your mind, it's coming out in your life. It's a reality. Don't play with my mind. Listen, if you play with my mind, it'll be the shortest game you ever played, all right? There's not much to play with there. It's just going to be a short game. My mind is tricking me. Mind games. You know, you have, you have these mind games. Uh, your mind is playing games with you. Again, you have, it's one of those things where somebody might come up to you and say, well, you're confused or you're frustrated, and you voice that confusion or frustration, and somebody might say to you, your, your mind is playing games with you. Well, there's been all kinds of studies about the mind. Let me just read a little bit of information about your mind or our minds that have been studied. Um, early life stress negatively affects the mind. Abuse, neglect, in harsh or inconsistent discipline in early life increases the risk of depression and anxiety as well as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and heart disease. All of those things are related to your mind, early stress. Early stress, when you were a child or when you were a young adult or when you were a, a teenager, early stress can create these tensions in your life that you don't know how to deal with. 
And if your life or your mind is not influenced or uh, uh, um, managed by the, the power of God and the word of God, then all of those things can take a negative impact in your life. Studies show that people clean up more if there is a faint smell of cleaning liquid in the air. In other words, if you walk into some place or you walk into your home, you smell some uh, Lysol or you smell a little bit of bleach or you smell some cleaning liquid of some sort, you are more likely to clean up. I'm going to start spraying that stuff all through the house. No, I'm just kidding. Our house is clean. Our house is clean, Karen. I love you. All right. Uh, we become more competitive if we see a briefcase. That's a weird one. And they become more cooperative if they glimpse words like dependable. And all these things affect our way of responding to things because of something we smell or something we see or something we, we hear. Mind control, it, listen to this. This is really interesting. Mind control is the unethical use of manipulative techniques to persuade others to conform to the wishes of the manipulator. Listen to that again. Mind control is the unethical use of manipulative techniques to persuade others to conform to the wish wishes of the manipulator. That's interesting because that's exactly what the enemy would want to do is to use different methods to manipulate our way of thinking to, to get us to act in a certain way. And so we are, are, are going through these experiences, and sometimes those experiences are there only to manipulate the way we think. Scientists believe that the mind forgets in order to avoid information overload. Husbands, this is a great tool to use with your wives. I'm sorry, but I just have to forget so that I don't overload my brain. No, that's not a good one. <coughs> okay? Memories that are triggered by scent have some of the strongest emotional connections and appear more intense than other memory triggers. That is true for me when I smell this salsa that wraps around a taquito from Juanita's at Olvera Street. As soon as I... <laughs> yeah! All right, we need a caravan. We need a caravan all the way to Olvera Street and we'll all have taquitos together. There's only one place to have those taquitos, and it's at Ovada Street. There's so many things about the mind that we need to understand. And when we understand that, that our mind is, is the center, it's the starting place. The, the tagline to this, this series called Mind Games is it all, it all starts here. It all starts right here. The, everything that we do, everything that we feel, all comes through the mind into the heart and out of our lives. And if we don't have a mind that's been renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we don't have a mind that's been trained and shaped and molded by the, the Word of God, then we will be susceptible to all the things that I've just talked about that are manipulative to help us feel and be pressed into a mold that the world wants us to think like. And so we need to understand what mind games are all about. The enemy wants to manipulate us into thinking that we should be angry. We should be without joy. We should be depressed. We should have no hope. We should have all these things. When in reality, the spirit who lives in us is greater than the spirit that is in the world. The spirit that is in our hearts and in our minds is far greater than anything that we will ever face in this world today. And for that reason, 
we have hope. The big thought through this entire series is simply this. Everything starts with the mind. Once surrendered to God, the mind can lead us to health, victory, and hope. I'll read that statement every week. Everything starts with the mind. Once surrendered to God, once we surrender our mind to God, the mind can lead us to health, victory, and hope. And today I want to talk about this. The Christian, here's what we need to do. The Christian is to refuse conformity to the ways of the world and be transformed in the mind to do the will of the Father. The Christian is to refuse conformity. We need to reject the idea that the world wants to press us, the enemy wants to press us into a mold of conformity, and we need to be transformed in our mind to do the will of the Father. So the big question is, how do we reject conformity and be transformed by the renewing of our minds? How does this happen? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we read this passage. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then this is it right here. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's the power. That's the, the ability to have our, renews, our, our minds renewed so that we can do the will of the Father. Most, many of us are so confused and so jumbled up in here that we have no clarity to do anything effectively out here. When we are confused and frustrated and we don't have a clear mind, you, there's, there's a, paral, uh, a paralyzing effect that happens when we are overwhelmed, when we are overfull, when we are overemoted or o- have our emotions controlling us. There's so much that happens here that is confusing. It lacks the ability to move forward. I don't know about you, but there are times when I'm overwhelmed that I get paralyzed. I don't know what to do. I get frustrated because I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I, I feel this and I feel that and I feel that. And I got so many things going on that it, eventually I get paralyzed and I can't move forward. And so it helps to have a clear mind. And not only that, but a transformed mind, a mind that's been affected by God and not by this world. This passage is really sets up a, a um, is set up by the previous 11 chapters. Paul wrote the book of Romans to the Romans, and he's trying to help them understand that God is a merciful God, that religion is not the answer to our world today, that trying to work your way into salvation doesn't work, and that we can't make ourselves saved. The only way to do that, he says in Romans 5, 8, he says, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he's telling the Romans, he did the work that saves you, not you. And therefore, our expression is one of gratitude and celebration because of the mercy that he's given us. Listen to this passage of scripture, therefore, that therefore always, when you're reading the Bible, if there's a therefore, ask what the therefore is there for. Okay? That's just a principle in Scripture. Always ask what the therefore is there for, and usually it's referring to something behind 
that passage. And so if you're reading this first, then you got to go back and read the other 11 chapters, or the, at, least, at least the previous chapter. But he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's the, the summary of chapters 1 through 11, is that Paul was trying to tell the Romans, God is a merciful God. God is a merciful God, and he forgives sin, and he sets us free, and he allows us to, to experience salvation by God's grace. And so we, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, how many are glad that he didn't say to offer your bodies as a dead sacrifice? I think that's a good thing. <laughs> we, we're no good to this world dead. We're good to this world alive. And when we're alive and we're a living sacrifice, that's the kind of sacrifice that he wants us to be. So we're to, in view of God's mercy, in view of this great love that God has for us, in view of the fact that we cannot earn our, our way to salvation, we need to offer up our bodies in celebration. This isn't a sacrifice to be saved. That sacrifice has already been made. And the point was already made in chapters 1 through 11. The, the, the sacrifice now, in, and this is com compares to the Old Testament, there were sacrifices that were just purely, God, I love you, Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you for being the God that you are. And this is all about simply saying, God, I give my, I surrender my life to you because you love me. And that's what this sacrifice is all about. We sacrifice our bodies holy and pleasing. When he says holy, it means completely separate. We're, we're no longer a part of the world. We're of the world, but we're not, I mean, we're, we're not of the world, but we're in the world. And so now I'm separate to God, and that pleases him. When we're separated to God, when we're wholly dedicated to him, when we've given our lives completely to him, that's when God is pleased. And so when we say, God, I'm all yours, he goes, oh, that's amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And he's excited, and he loves that, and he thinks that's amazing for us. And so that pleases God. And then, it, and then the passage simply says, this is your true and proper worship. This is the, the right way to express yourself, is to wholly come before God, celebrating him for, in view of his mercies. In view of his mercies. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. We deserve punishment, but we didn't get it. What did we get? We got grace, undeserved or unmerited favor. And as a result, we have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the focus of this message will be on chapter, on verse 2, where it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The, that the, the, the word world there actually means age. Do not conform to the pattern of this age or this time and place in history. And if we were to take an evaluation of our time and place in history right now, if you were to just to sit in your car or sit online and say, what is this age all about right now? You would say it's all about, at least I think it's all about, this, this idea of cynicism and criticism and anger and frustration and division and separation and arguments and fighting and all the things that, that are part of this, this culture that we live in today. And, and I, don't, I don't, this isn't about the issues, it's about the heart. I have friends that are saying things that surprise me, not because of their opinion 
but because of the way they're saying it. I don't have a problem with anybody's differing opinion of mine or anybody else's, but I do have a problem when I see people becoming what God has never intended them to become, angry, bitter people. Church, that's not what we're to become. That's not what is supposed to be happening in our heart. And what has happened is they have been a part of conforming into the image or into the culture of today's world rather than allowing Christ to come out and then share your opinions. Share your opinions. It's okay. But don't share them in an unchristlike way. Don't share them in a way that doesn't represent Jesus as your Savior and your Redeemer and your heart and the fruit of His Spirit. Conformity is this, is this surrender to the enemy. Surrender to the enemy, and the enemy is the pattern of this world. And if we don't, if we don't uh, uh, reject conformity, then we will be susceptible to becoming what the world is. I like this one quote that this author said. He said, to be culturally identified with the world is, is to place the church at risk. To be culturally identified with the world is to place the church at risk. If we become identified with the world, what does that say about the Jesus we serve? What does that say about the, 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 the nature of who Jesus is and his power to save and his power to separate us and the power to make us different in the circumstance? You see, I, I have this saying, I said that, that, that we don't live different lives, we just live life differently. We go through the very same things everybody else goes through. All of us that wear pants put them on just the same way. All of us that have sicknesses and we go through these sicknesses, all of us deal with our bills and our finances, all of us have the same worldly things that we experience but we go through them differently as a Christian. We have a different heart and a different heartbeat about those things. And so we don't submit to the pattern of this world. We don't get pressed in or conform to, those to, to, the, uh, to, the, to the conformity or culture of our world. And we don't want to be identified. And my, my encouragement to you is this. Beware of the subtlety of these kinds of changes in our hearts. Spend time thinking about how am I feeling? How am I thinking? How am I acting towards those in my family or my community or my neighbors or my friends? What do I portray on Facebook? What do I portray in my life and in, 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 in Instagram or TikTok or wherever you spend your social media time? Where, how am I presenting myself? Would people look at that and go, that's Jesus voicing his thoughts? Would, would people look at that and go, that's the Jesus that is voicing his heart and his mind and his spirit? That's the big question. If we don't identify with that, then are we being conformed and pressed in to the form of this world? I believe that this, is, this, this conversation about transforming our minds is the game is conformity versus transformity. Are we going to conform to this world or are we going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Do, are we going to be like the world or are we going to be like Jesus? You see, we can conform and be like the world or we can be transformed and be like Jesus. My encouragement is to you to, you, to read Matthew chapter 4 and watch how Jesus refuses to be pressed into a mold that the devil wanted him to fall into by tempting him. He refuses and he uses what transformed his mind 
that didn't really need to be transformed in the first place. It's a whole theological conundrum. But the reality is simply this, is that he refused to be pressed into this, this idea that he needed to give himself to his own selfish desires instead of being there to serve the world he was called to serve. Temptation, the temptation of Jesus is a perfect picture of how to reject conformity. And then the, this passage says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the power of this passage right here. Be transformed. This idea of being, uh, the, the, the literal word is metamorphosis. It's that whole thing that we learned in, in school when you see the, the caterpillar turn into the butterfly. It goes into a cocoon and it comes out as a caterpillar and it comes out completely different. This beautiful thing with wings and all these kinds of things and, and, and uh, the transformation happens. This is what happens when we fully submit and surrender our heart and our mind to Jesus. We become different people. We become different people. I, I said this a couple weeks ago. Without Jesus, I, don't have, I can't even imagine what I would be like other than a very selfish, self-centered, self-serving individual. Without Jesus in my heart, without Jesus, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, I'm not saying I don't become those things every once in a while, but I am saying that when, without Jesus, my mind, my heart would be absolutely, completely different. And that's the transformation. I'm a completely different individual with him than I am without him. And I know that is true of you, and I know that is true of those of you online, and I just want to encourage you, let Jesus, this is the, the transformation comes with the sacrifice. You see, sacrifice is required for transformation. If we don't give ourselves as living sacrifices, giving ourselves completely and wholly to God, then we become what the world wants us to become. But if we will just completely surrender ourselves, then we can experience the transformation, the, the, the new person that Jesus wants us to be. You see, you'll, you'll see the issues in today's world. You'll see them. It's okay to see them. And it's okay to have differing opinions and perspectives, but it's not okay to not be Jesus with those perspectives. It's not okay to be something other than what Jesus would want you to express and what Jesus would want you to, to, to feel and think and move forward. He will guide your thoughts. But when we, don't, when we lose ourselves in those emotions and those angry points and those discussion points and those talking points, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, Republican or, or, or Democrat or Independent or whatever you want to call yourself, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we represent Jesus no matter what position we take. That's the important part. At Journey Church, we have this strategy. We talk about our strategy. This is how we do church. How we do church. We, there are four things that we do to do church. And they're the, the, these are the only four things that we want to do, that we express ourselves in doing. And that is first, we meet on Sundays to be inspired to live and love like Jesus. So we're going to always meet on the weekends and gather together to be inspired, to, let our, to elevate our lives into the, into the heart and life of Jesus and to go and love like Jesus. And then secondly, not only do we meet, but we model. We model our lives after the like, like life and likeness of Jesus. So we want our, our, our lives to model the nature of Jesus. And that's really where the transformation takes place. We have what we call Journey 101, which will start in the, in, uh, later in the fall. We have uh, what we call core, which are the core disciplines, the core um, 
uh, beliefs and the core expressions of our faith. And we, we teach those so that people have a, an understanding of what the core things are that help us make a difference. We not only uh, meet, we not only model, but we mingle in groups and we merge into the lives of those that have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Those are the four things that we do as a church. And those are the only four things. But that one we model, we will always model the life and likeness of Jesus. No matter our position, no matter our, our, our ways or perspectives in life, we are going to always strive and hunger and thirst to express ourselves like Jesus would express ourselves. The bottom line is this, to this, this message, is that when we're in a mind game, the Christian is to reject conformity to the ways of the world and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. The simple answer is, how do we be that? How do we transform our mind? How do we do that? One, it's not on the individual effort. This is not about willpower. This is about God power. We submit our minds and our lives to, to Jesus. We make ourselves a living sacrifice. We give our bodies and our minds and our hearts all to God and say, God, you are the one in charge. You are the one in charge. And when, he, when we do that, that's a complete surrender. And so my challenge to us this morning is simply this. Are we completely surrendered to God? Have we given all of ourselves to him? We must reject the world's attempts to press us into the mold of selfishness. There's a constant evaluation that has to go on. And I'm in that constant evaluation of my life because it's easy to slip into selfishness. It's easy to slip into my own self-pity, my own, my own desires or hungers or lusts or thirsts or, or, or uh, appetites that we get into that we think, oh, I deserve this little bit of pleasure or whatever it might be. We have to reject those attempts, those temptations. We must believe that our mind can be renewed. If you believe today that this can change, there are people out there that say it can never change. Psychologists and scientists and all these individuals who are out there studying the mind and the brain and all these things, some of them are saying it can't be unprogrammed, it can't be changed. That's not true because they're thinking that it's up to the human to make that change. When you put it up to the human, you're right, it can't be changed. But when you put it up to God's power, it can be changed. And our minds can be renewed. We can infuse our mind with truth. Every day we should be infusing our minds with the, with, with the Word of God. The Word of God is what changes this, what changes this. It's a living book. It's not a, just a book. It's not just intellectual. It's spiritual and it's powerful, and it can make a difference in our lives, and we must do the will of the Father. We must do the will of the Father, and what is the problem is, is that we, can, we get our minds so fogged up, and we get it so confused, we can't even discern the will of the Father. And this says, if we will allow our minds to be transformed, then we can know what the will of God is. Then we can know what we should be giving ourselves to. Then we can know what our purpose and, and everything that God has for us is set out for us. And I want to encourage you this morning. We need transformed minds in today's world. We need minds that are fully submitted to God and His Word and His ways. And if we will do that and we will reject the, press, the pressing and the, 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 the conformity that, that we're out being asked to conform to, we will experience joy. 
no matter how chaotic the world gets. That's one of the exciting things that I, I'm looking forward to on November 4th, after the day after elections, is that no matter what, whether you win or lose, whether, whether it goes well or it goes bad, it doesn't matter because we're going to come together and declare that Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our minds, our minds will not be transformed or pushed into or conformed into the ways of this world because no matter what, we will not lose our hope, whoever our president is. Our president is our hope, our Jesus is, and that's the one, that's the transformed mind. That's the hope that comes through a mind that is submitted and given to, to the likeness of Jesus Christ. And no matter who leads our country, we will still determine to live like Jesus lived and to love like Jesus loves. And we will win. We will win. And we will see God do some great things in our lives. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you did not conform, but that you came to transform. You came to make a difference. You came to reshape and remold our thinking. You came to help us understand what life is truly like and what it can be like no matter the circumstance in our world. Lord, you tell us that you are in us, that you live in us, and as a result, you want to live out of us. But we can only let that happen if we submit our bodies and our minds and our hearts to you. And so, Lord, this morning, we commit as a church, online and on site, we commit to the power of your Holy Spirit working in our hearts and our minds. We submit and, and sacrifice our bodies to you as living sacrifices, separate for you, set apart for you. Lord, we are here for you. And may you be pleased by that sacrifice right now. God, we lift ourselves up to you and submit ourselves to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you feel pressed by this world. You feel that the world is trying to press you into a mold and that you don't want to fit into. And the only way to get out of that is to submit your life to Jesus, to become a living sacrifice, and to have your mind renewed by the word of God. And the first step is to say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I've made mistakes and I, I ask for your forgiveness and I receive your forgiveness, Jesus, based on the work that you did on the cross. And I confess with my mouth that you were raised from the dead and therefore I have hope and I have eternal life and I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. Will you pray this prayer with me? If you would like to accept Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner and I've made mistakes and I'm, I regret them, but Lord, I believe that your power, the work that you did on the cross by dying and, sh and shedding blood, you have allowed me to have my sins forgiven. And I accept that forgiveness and I thank you for it. And I believe that you were raised from the dead three days later and today I accept the hope of eternal life and I am now saved by the power and name of Jesus Christ. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I receive you. I accept that I'm saved. And I will declare you as Lord of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, woo, that's the best. That's the best thing that could ever be prayed. And I want to pray one more time for you, all of us, that our minds would be completely transformed. 
and that we would make a difference in this world. You see what happens with the transformed mind is that we become clear about what the will of God is. And that means that all of us are going to find a place to be active in the faith and make a difference in this world. Lord, I pray for every heart that is here today that our minds would be transformed and renewed by your spirit and that you would come in as we live we lay our lives before you as living sacrifices you would come in and transform our minds so that we are no longer cluttered up by the things of this world or felt pressed into a mold of this world but we reject that mold and we accept the likeness and love of Jesus in our lives and i pray that you just raise up in us the clarity to do your will in our neighborhoods in our workplaces, in our homes, in our families, in, in our church, wherever you are calling us and whatever your will is, we commit to do it in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. God, we give you praise. We give you love. And we thank you for making a difference in our hearts today. Praise God. Praise God. I want to encourage you guys, start praying. 24 days of prayer starting today. There will be a post later on. Uh, I will start off the prayer week or the prayer, 24 days of prayer. You'll see a little post with my, my praying with you. Please join us in prayer every day for the next 24 days. And we're going to see God do some pretty amazing things. God bless you. And thank you for being here today. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.